brothers and sisters. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Michael Talercio, pastoral intern of Forest Hill Presbyterian Church, and it's day 432. I get to join you for a look at 2 Samuel chapter 14 this morning. Pastor Jason's been capably taking us through this book, uh, not just 2 Samuel, but 1 Samuel as well. And I get to jump in now and pick up where we left off with chapter 13, with the story of Absalom finding out about Amnon, his half-brother, violating his sister Tamar. And we started to see how David responded to this situation in chapter 13, and now we're going to see more of not only how David responds to this, but how Absalom responds. And so we're going to need the Lord's help as we look at this text to see what is good, what is right about both Absalom and David's responses, and also what is not good, what is wrong about both of them as well. And Only the Lord can really help us to understand his word correctly and to apply it to us, and really in that, to see his son in the midst of this mess. So let's go to him and ask for his help. Father, thank you that you have given us not just this word in Second Samuel 14 this morning, but also your Holy Spirit, who enables us to be still before your word and to be shaped by it. We need you, Lord, to help us see not only what this text meant to the intended audience, but in the original text, uh, days that it was written, Lord, but even to us now as part of that intended audience, though not the initial audience, Lord. We need to be able to see what this word meant for them, for us, and also in order to see all that, what it shows us about your Son. Would you help us to see Jesus through this passage this morning for his glory, for for our transformation as his people, Lord, and for our good in that process as we bring him glory, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Second Samuel 14, beginning in verse 1. Now Joab, the son of Zeruiah, knew that the king's heart went out to Absalom. And Joab sent to Tekoa and brought from there a wise woman and said to her, Pretend to be a mourner and put on mourning garments. Do not anoint yourself with oil, but behave like a woman who has been mourning many days for the dead. Go to the king and speak thus to him. So Joab put the words in her mouth. When the woman of Tekoa came to the king, she fell on her face to the ground and paid homage and said, Save me, O king. And the king said to her, What is your trouble? She answered, Alas, I am a widow. My husband is dead. And your servant had two sons, and they quarreled with one another in the field. There was no one to separate them, and one struck the other and killed him. And now the whole clan has risen against your servant, and they say, Give up the man who struck his brother, that we may put him to death for the life of his brother whom he killed. And so they would destroy the heir also. Thus they would quench my coal that is left, and leave to my husband neither name nor remnant on the face of the earth. And the king said to the woman, Go to your house, and I will give orders concerning you. And the woman of Tekoa said to the king, On me be the guilt, my lord the king, and on my father's house. Let the king and his throne be guiltless. The king said, If anyone says anything to you, bring him to me, and he shall never touch you again. And she said, 
please let the king invoke the Lord your God, that the avenger of blood kill no more, and my son be not destroyed. He said, As the Lord lives, not one hair of your son shall fall to the ground. Then the woman said, Please let your servant speak a word to my lord the king. He said, Speak. And the woman said, Why then have you planned such a thing against the people of God? For in giving this decision, the king convicts himself, inasmuch as the king does not bring his banished one home again. We must all die. We are like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. But God will not take away life, and he devises means so that the banished one will not remain an outcast. Now I have come to say this to my lord, the king, because the people have made me afraid, and your servant thought, I will speak to the king. It may be that the king will perform the request of his servant, for the king will hear and deliver his servant from the hand of the man who would destroy me and my son together from the heritage of God. And your servant thought, the word of my lord, the king, will set me at rest, for my lord, the king, is like the angel of God to discern good and evil. The Lord your God be with you. Then the king answered the woman, Do not hide from me anything I ask you. And the woman said, Let my lord the king speak. The king said, Is the hand of Joab with you in all this? The woman answered and said, As surely as you live, my lord the king, one cannot turn to the right hand or to the left from anything that my lord the king has said. It was your servant Joab who commanded me. It was he who put all these words in the mouth of your servant. In order to change the course of things, your servant Joab did this. But my Lord has wisdom like the wisdom of the angel of God to know all things that are on the earth. Then the king said to Joab, Behold now, I grant this. Go, bring back the young man Absalom. And Joab fell on his face to the ground and paid homage and blessed the king. And Joab said, Today your servant knows that I have found favor in your sight, my lord the king, and that the king has granted the request of his servant. So Joab arose and went to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, Let him dwell apart in his own house. He is not to come into my presence. So Absalom lived apart in his own house and did not come into the king's presence. Now in all Israel, there was no one so much to be praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. And when he cut the hair of his head, for at the end of every year he used to cut it, when it was heavy on him he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head, two hundred shekels by the king's weight. There were born to Absalom three sons and one daughter whose name was Tamar. She was a beautiful woman. So Absalom lived two full years in Jerusalem without coming into the king's presence. Then Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but Joab would not come to him. And he sent a second time, but Joab would not come. Then he said to his servants, See, Joab's field is next to mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab arose and went to Absalom at his house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? Absalom answered Joab, Behold, I sent word to you, come here that I may send you to the king to ask, Why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me to be there still. 
Now therefore let me go into the presence of the king, and if there is guilt in me, let him put me to death. Then Joab went to the king and told him, and he summoned Absalom. So he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. We have a lot going on in this passage, and picking right up with what we have been reading in 2 Samuel 13, we know that Absalom is angry about what his half-brother Amnon did to his sister Tamar. Absalom loves his sister Tamar, and we even see that just in how he names his daughter Tamar. Uh, Absalom is angry that Amnon, his half-brother, has violated his sister. And he's angry as well that David hasn't done anything about it. And we see that in a very clear way in today's text. Absalom has fled to Geshur at the end of chapter 13. And he's there, living in Geshur. And Joab knows that the king, David has a heart for Absalom, his son. Absalom obviously has fled, if we recall, because he killed Amnon in revenge, trying to get back at him for what he did to his sister, because David really did nothing about Amnon and what he did to Tamar. And so he's fled. Joab knows that the king, David, is heartbroken over Absalom, in a sense, wants there to be some reconciliation there, or misses his son. So Joab devises this plan where he sends for this wise woman of Tekoa. I've always loved that name. It's just such a cool, cool sounding word, Tekoa. Uh, but this wise woman from this town of Tekoa uh, is brought and Joab devises this plan and sends her to go and essentially convict the king, as, as she herself says after she presents this hypothetical situation to the king. Um, she she says that the king basically has convicted himself. Verse 13, Why then have you planned such a thing against the people of God? For in giving this decision, the king convicts himself. And what the decision there is that he gives is to bring this, uh, to, to keep this man from being killed, this hypothetical son that this widow has, that this woman from Tekoa has, where ostensibly uh, David understands that this woman had two sons and one of them killed the other and the people want that second son, the one who killed the other one, the murderer, to be killed. But she is presenting this to the king saying, if this other son of mine is killed, then his father and I will have no one to give our inheritance to and we'll lose our inheritance. And there's kind of a whole lot of Old Testament uh, categories and situations being brought in there, uh, even with the avenger of blood, that's a category as well uh, in scripture that we've touched on in the past, where if somebody has been murdered, uh, then there is a person in the family, a person rightly ordained to go and avenge the blood on, on the head of the murderer there for the blood that they've shed on behalf of another person. So there's these categories and it all works out such that the king in essentially convicts himself because the ruling that he gives on this situation suggests that he himself should have done something with his son Absalom. So Joab sets up this scenario in which David 
through this woman's pleading, comes to see that he himself should should be doing something about this situation with Absalom and Absalom living out in Geshur and there being no follow-up to what has happened. Again, Absalom has killed Amnon in revenge for the violation of his sister Tamar. David has done nothing about any of this. And so Joab has tried to figure out a way to reconcile, to, to, to figure out how to reconcile or at least try to uh, bring some resolution about with this situation. And so David seemingly recognizes that what Joab has done is actually appropriate in this context, uh, or at least it seems to be. And so Absalom is uh, allowed to come back uh, into the uh, safe confines of the, the city there where, where David resides. He's allowed to come home, but not fully. He has to live in this house uh, nearby. Uh, David is really failing here to lead and to lead well. He's failing to be decisive about this situation. He failed up front to deal with Amnon appropriately when he violated Tamar. And now he's failing to deal with Absalom, who's tried to take matters into his own hands and actually has taken matters into his own hands. And so we see just some of the negligence here on the part of David. Uh, we see negligence as well as the story progresses on the part of Joab because Joab doesn't respond to Absalom and Absalom's request to come before the king. Absalom just kind of wants a clear word here, it seems, from the king, from David, his father. Uh, he's not really getting one. And so we see Joab ignoring Absalom's request. We see Absalom as this hot head of a, of a guy take matters into his own hands, um, even though Joab should have responded or there should be some communication here. Joab uh, should have said something in response to Absalom, but doesn't. And so Absalom sends servants to go burn the field there to get Joab's attention. And it's just, it's just a mess. There's a whole lot of negligence in Second Samuel 14. And even at the end of the passage there, Absalom saying, why have I come from Geshur? Why have you brought me back? Uh, I'm, I'm in this period of limbo here. Uh, and so at the very end, we see Joab going to the king on behalf of Absalom. And David invites Absalom to come and bow before, before him uh, with his face to the ground. And the king kisses Absalom. And we're kind of left on a cliffhanger as to what's going to happen next is is David going to make a pronouncement about Absalom? Is there going to be some reconciliation? What What's the deal? That's, that's where the chapter ends, and we'll find out next time what happens in chapter 15. But what are we to make of this? What are we to take from this? Uh, well, we, first, what we can see is that God calls his people uh, to not live in a state of limbo like this uh, when there is... Uh, a clear opportunity for God's king to make a ruling on these matters. And we'll see as we progress that whereas David fails to really give a hard and fast decision on what to what is to be done with Absalom and how some reconciliation could be brought about, there will come a king that will be swift to do justice. We'll see that actually as we get to as we get further along in the in the book of Kings and David's son, Solomon, Solomon will be one who uh, early on in the book of Kings will 
execute justice swiftly, but he only will be pointing us forward to an even greater king who will execute justice perfectly. And so what this text, if nothing else, does for us is it teaches us to long for that king, that king who will swiftly execute justice and actual justice. He will be able to divide between joint and marrow, actually. He will know the heart of every one of his citizens, and he will be able to administer justice rightly and fairly. He would know what to do with this case between Absalom and Amnon and Tamar in a way that David not only doesn't seem to, but doesn't even really want to try to, it seems. David's heart goes out to Absalom, and that should be a comfort to us to know that sometimes our hearts are not always certain as to what to do, but but the true king, Jesus, he does know. And he will execute justice speedily and rightly. And so if nothing else, as crazy of a situation as this is, as much as there's some good and some bad mixed into this scenario, some wisdom and some folly, some right and some wrong, some uh, response and some lack of response altogether, we are taught through 2 Samuel 14 to long for the judgment and the, the righteousness of the true king who loves his people perfectly. And so we can go to Jesus now in prayer, knowing that he hears us because he is the king who took on the punishment that men like Absalom, men like Amnon, men and women like you and I deserve for the ways that we have not handled relationships rightly. We haven't known how to interact with one another rightly always. And even when we do, we still fail to often. But we have a king who has dealt with our sins, with our failings, and has loved us despite our failures to love him and his people well. And that king died on our behalf and rose again from the dead. And he ever lives now to make intercession for his people. He has sent us his spirit to convict us of our sin, to point us in the direction of Jesus and to give us hope because we have a king who will one day return to set every wrong right, to deal with every problem, to tie up every loose end that is still out there, that we're still waiting for resolution with. So if today you have something that you feel like needs some resolution, let's go to the Lord with that because he knows and he will see to it that every loose end will be tied up. Every, every bit of negligence will be dealt with. And we can trust him and we can look forward to that day. And we can hide in him for the salvation that he has provided. Let's go to him now. Father, thank you that you have given us this word in First Samuel, Second Samuel uh, chapter 14. Thank you that it is a picture for us of Jesus uh, At least it's a picture for us that points us toward Jesus and helps us to long for him. Uh, And in as much as there is some good and some very clear mess in this text, we thank you that you know it, that you know what we need, that you want to restore relationships in the way that only you can, perfectly, fairly, and righteously, and in a way that gives life to our bones, to our flesh, and to our souls, really evermore. Thank you so much for your love for us in Jesus. May we look forward to uh, service, serving him today, 
as bestly as we can, as best as we can and as fully as we can as you enable us lord we are we are grateful people that we have a king who loves his people thank you for him thank you O father thank you holy spirit for working in us to give him glory it's in his name jesus name we pray amen well, brothers and sisters, I'm glad that you were able to join for today at our look at 2 Samuel. hope you'll be back with us tomorrow as we continue making our way through the scriptures one chapter per day. Go well. God bless. Mm-hmm.